How are you guys? I'm pretty good. Thanks, you didn't ask, but I just thought I'd done it. Okay, so this has been an been a eight-week series. We don't always do eight-week series. This has been a long series. Um, and if you remember way, way a long time ago, maybe you weren't here, but Alice opened this whole series by talking about how the first verse in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is like the home base, she called it. You know, like when you're playing tag and you need to be safe, it's the place you go back to and say, I'm on home base. It's the place that offers you grace. And as the video was saying, it's the place that really powers the whole rest of it. And so now, eight weeks later, we're going to finally look at that verse. We're going to come uh, back to where she started in a way um, and say, what is in that verse that's so powerful, that's so life-changing, that, that really informs and tells you how to read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount? Um, so that's where we're going to be today. But before we get there... I'm going to start with, and I'm going to just admit to you right now, that if I was in your seats and a teacher did what I'm about to do, I'd be like, no. (laughs) Because I'd be super skeptical, because I'm not really a fan of like um, sort of pop psychology getting in in, into our sermons. So I would be turning my, but let me tell you, I have a point, and I don't even care whether you believe what I'm about to say or not, because it's still going to be valuable, all right? Are you with me? So don't do this. If you do, I'll be back to you. I want you to imagine your best self. See, it cringes me. Imagine your best self. Imagine, imagine you exactly as you want yourself to be. You know, what are you doing when you imagine your best self? Are you like on the beach or are you riding your bicycle? Some of you are like, nope. mm -mm." Are you, uh, are you working? Some of you, maybe your best self is when you're working and you're like fully engaged. What are you doing when you're best self? But really, I want you to think this. How do you interact with people when you're your best self? How does, how does you and other people interact when you're your best, when you're really at the top? All right, now, I'm going to turn the dial up one. What's your perfect self? See, when, you, when I ask you to imagine your best self, sometimes there's this little filter in your head that says, well, my best self would be serving in. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> so, no, but your perfect self, maybe your perfect self, maybe you would be serving in the junior high chaos. Just another little plug for that. What's your perfect self? How does your perfect self, how, if you were absolutely perfect, how would you interact with people? How would you, when you come upon someone who's hard, how would you deal with that situation? How would that work? Think about it. Think about, imagine yourself. All right, now I'm going to turn the dial one more time. Two more times, actually. One, one here. Imagine yourself in heaven. Okay? When you're in heaven, what are you doing? Well, I'm playing the harp. I mean, right? I'm worshiping. I'm just on my knees. And so it's also hard to think of, like, if you're in heaven, how do you interact with people? I think this is a thought that most of us have never thought. And if I'm in heaven, how do I interact with people? I don't. (laughs) I'm playing the harp. It takes all of my efforts, right? I'm focused on Jesus. That's the only thing. I don't think we've thought about this very much. If I'm in heaven, how do I interact with people? So I'm going to turn the dial one more time. Imagine if heaven isn't really as much like you think it is. Imagine if heaven is way more like earth than you've ever imagined it to be. Now I'm going to take you on a little, there's some scriptural reasons why maybe heaven is a little more like earth. And actually, I'm going to repeat what I said before. I kind of don't care if you believe this or not, because I have no idea what heaven looks like. I haven't been there yet. But uh, uh, at the end, I think this is going to come back. So 
Let's imagine together that heaven is way more like earth than we ever thought. Here's a verse from Isaiah 65. This is a prophet talking about the end times. And he starts with these verses. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Do you know Revelation 21? Exactly what is said in Revelation 21. The prophecy comes exactly true. I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Now he keeps going and talking for a while, but look look what he says. Isaiah 65, 21. They will build houses and dwell in them. <laughs> what? You're in heaven. I seriously did not plan on bringing my hammer and nails to heaven. I just never thought of it. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. So gardening, like you bring your gloves because you're going to have to. They will build houses and they will no longer build houses and other lives in or plant and others will eat. So what? Maybe, wouldn't that be interesting if maybe there was houses and neighborhoods and apartment buildings and people lived in them and they did stuff. Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't that be not at all what you thought heaven was going to be like? And now start, remember my goal. Start thinking of yourself as living in a house with a garden in heaven and coming out your front door and interacting with people. What does that interaction look like? What does it feel like? Another verse. In my father's house, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not tell you I was going to prepare a place for it. Many rooms. It's an apartment building for crying out loud. It's in a town. How does this work? So let's just for a minute say there's a neighborhood. Okay? You're walking down the street in this neighborhood and there's somebody gardening. And that person who's gardening looks at you with that look like, I could really use some help here. What do you do? Well, you're in heaven, right? The interaction is like totally unified. You and you and this other person have a complete and utter bond of love. You are you are one with them, as Jesus would later pray. I pray that they would become one, like we are one. You will be one with those people. And of course, if they give you that look, like, ha, huh, you're gonna step in and help, right? So there's so there's towns, villages, there's 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 gardens. Now. Let's say there's people with different statuses from each other. (laughs) Nope. I can't, I can hardly get there, right? I picture heaven as like everything is exactly even. Everyone is exactly on the same plane as each other, but maybe not. Let's just for this experiment think, well, maybe there's people in heaven who have different statuses from each other. Check this out. Revelation chapter 21. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Amazing, great verse. The nations, wait, there's nations? Well, that's interesting. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of earth will bring their splendor into it. The kings, now you could interpret this verse, and I'm, I'm totally fine if you do, as the kings are bringing their splendor into the town, and they're dropping it off, and they're going back, and they're no longer kings, right? We could, that could be very legitimate. But on that day, the gates will never shut and there will be no night there. So there's gates and there's nations and and the goods of the nations will be brought into it. Super interesting. Okay, that one might not have convinced you, but check this one out. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus goes on this whole long, long, long uh, business about the end times. What's the end times going to be like and when is it going to come? The disciples were asking him some questions. And so he starts like saying, okay, it's going to be like, and he tells a story. And he says, uh, it's going to be like, and he tells a story. And then the last one of those, he says, okay, it's going to be like, and the story he tells, you know, which is there's a king and the king has lots of money and he gives five bags of gold to one guy and three bags of gold to 
two bags of gold to one guy and one bag of gold to one guy and then he leaves and then he comes back and he said, hey, what'd you do with my gold? And they, and the one guy's like, I doubled it and the other guy said, double it. You know the story, right? Check out what's in the middle of that story though. The master replied, you know this, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Every sermon is about that. Well done, good and faithful, I hope I get that. Check this out though. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Wait, put, would, huh? End of time, I will put you in charge. There's going to be people in charge. I never thought I was going to have a boss in heaven. I just didn't. I will put you in charge of many things. Okay. So let's, let's imagine for our experiment, let's imagine that there are people with other statuses in heaven. How do you interact? I'm walking down the street and I run into someone who has a lower status than me. What's my interaction with that person like? Well, get to shining my shoes now, please. No, no, no. Unity, oneness, love, sacrificial servanthood. That's what it's like. I'm walking down the street. I come under, I come into a person who's had a higher status than me. He's wearing all kinds of robes and crowns and stuff. I doubt it. Uh, well, how do I interact with that person? Am I, am I jealous? Am I like, ah, he, I'm sure he didn't earn it. He just got it from his dad. No. Well, yes, he did. <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, some of the other services, by the way, they're just like, oh, say, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, how do you interact? Total unity, total love, right? Okay. That's how we interact if we're living in heaven. And so why did I do all that crazy dumb stuff? Because I think, I think when we get to this verse, this is one of the places where we can look and say, this is, this is what I think is the most important sentence I'm going to say today. Jesus' main message was, heaven is here. He said, he came and he said, heaven is starting now. Like the gun goes off, here's the starting point. Now, again, you might have twisted your head. You and I have grown up in a culture of what's called dualism, where we have learned, we have become experts at chopping everything in half and saying, there's either that or there's that. There's either good or bad. There's either heaven or earth. There's either body or spirit. That's dualism. Jesus lived in a world where he's like, no, 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 no. There's the, you can combine these things. Heaven and earth can be together. Spirit and body can be together and they can affect each other. So we're going to look at this verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And as I look at this verse... There's no way I can understand this verse unless I work it backwards. I have to. Every time I come here, I have to work it backwards. I first have to understand what does it mean for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? And then I can get back up into the other part. So let's look at it. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus mean when he said that? Did he mean they get to go to heaven? That's what you would normally think. They get to go to heaven. In fact, all kinds of places in the Bible, he refers to either the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And most times when we read that verse, our minds immediately try to latch on to this idea that he's saying they get to go to heaven. Or when he's using the negative, he'll say, well, it's hard, it's hard for a person who does this or that to inherit the kingdom of God. And we're like, yep, they're going to hell. Inherit the kingdom of God. If they can't inherit the kingdom of God, that means they can't. I don't think that's what he's saying. 
I mean, I think what he's saying is, you cannot have the life you're supposed to have if you're doing those things. Or, you get the life you're supposed to have if you do these things. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is a phrase that we just need to look at. Dallas Willard said the kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will. That's why most of us don't read theologians. The range of God's effective will. What? The place where God's will is done. The area where if God wants it, that's how it is. That's what the kingdom of God means. Where does God's will get done? Where are things like God wants them to be? That's the kingdom of God. Now, let me just tell you, I'm not so silly as to think that what Jesus was saying is we should already be living in heaven and it's going to be exactly like the heaven that is to come. I'm not so silly as to think that all of a sudden we should be exactly perfect here. I understand that there's a mixture of things happening now. There's more than one kingdom at work right now. The kingdom of God is here and another kingdom is here. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, listen to this, when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. So Paul is saying, hey, wait, there's another kingdom going on. There's the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He's contrasting what he believes, and we're going to look at what he believes as the kingdom of God that's living here. And he's not saying, he's not saying, earth is bad, heaven is good, live in bad until you die and get to good. He's not saying that. He's just saying, there is a ruler of the kingdom of air. There is another kingdom going on right now that's mixed with the kingdom of God, which came when Jesus came. Listen to what Jesus says in, in two of the Gospels. Jesus' first words that, that get recorded are this. Mark says, that Mark says, that Jesus says, The time has come. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe that good news. The good news is that the kingdom of God is right here. It came to you. It's all around. The king, the good news is that the kingdom of God is within your grasp. You don't have to just sit and wait for it. In this, in this uh, Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying, what does Jesus pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I believe, and, I, and this is what I want to teach, that Jesus absolutely believed that the kingdom of heaven came here. And we have access to it. This is what Jesus... Do you remember when Jesus sent his disciples out? Like It was like a practice run. He's like, someday I'm not going to be here with you guys anymore. And so I want you to practice. And I want you to go out into these towns. And I want you to heal people. And I want you to do things. And then I want you to come back and report to me. It's totally like a lesson. Like they're interns, right? And so he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out and do this. And listen to what he says. When you enter a town and you're welcome there, eat what's offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, this is what you're supposed to tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. How did did this healing happen? Well, I'll tell you how this healing happened. The kingdom of God was here. 
So were they supposed to wait for it? No, it was there. It was in their towns. The kingdom of God has come near to you. So I really think that's what Jesus thought. Now here's Paul later. Paul is, Paul is, you know, you know Paul. He's, you know, he's talking about all these hard things about what you should eat and what you should drink and how if you, if you cause some other brother to stumble, then don't eat it. But if you don't, then it's fine, blah, blah, blah. But then listen what he, what he concludes. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and the peace and joy and Holy Spirit. He talks about the kingdom of God as if it's the present tense. He said the kingdom of God isn't about eating or drinking. So so my conclusion for all these rules that I was just telling you is when you're living in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter what you eat or drink unless it hurts somebody else. So he assumes, he assumes that you're living in the kingdom of God. All right, so. Well, I ranted for a while. I don't know how long. So what, what do I do with that? What do I, what am I, if I'm sitting in the seats, what am I supposed to do with that? And this is where I get, I'm getting so ramped up because this is where you now start reading through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount and you're like, whoa, that is cool. So picture yourself, let's bring us back. Picture yourself living in heaven right now. Living in heaven right now. How do you interact with people? You walk down the street, you're living in heaven. How do you interact with somebody? Check this out. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Of course! Of course! If you're living in heaven, and you see somebody on the street... Do you kill them? No. Not only do you not kill them, do you hate them? No. In fact, not only do you not hate them, do you say you're a fool? No. No. It's obvious. When you run into somebody in heaven, you're you're not going to do any of those things. Jesus is saying the law that you guys learned said don't kill. But if you're not killing just because the law says so, you're not even on the same planet as me. You're not even in, you're in the different kingdom from me. You're not even living in, in anywhere near the same way. So what, you're following the law. How silly is that? You're, the law says don't kill. <laughs> Why are you hating? Why? In heaven you're not going to. And you're in heaven. You've heard it said long ago, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. Of course! How much sense does that make? A lot, I I mean, don't do this, okay? But think of this experiment in your head. You go home to your spouse and you say, Honey, there's this man or there's this woman at work that I've really been wanting to have an affair with. I just really want to. I mean, I have the opportunity and it's amazing, but the law says not to do that, so I won't. And your, your spouse's reaction is, Well, thank you. That's amazing. I love you so much. No, you're not on the same planet. You're not, it's just not how love works. No, no. The law says don't commit adultery and you guys are like justifying getting to the, that you're crazy. The law says don't commit adultery. I'm saying if you have that kind of feeling, if you have that kind of lust, you're not interacting in a heaven way. You're not interacting with unity. You're not interacting with love. You're interacting according to the kingdom of the ruler of the air. All right. 
Again, you've heard it say, don't break an oath. Um, in fact, I don't even make an oath. Just have your yes be yes and your no be no. Of course. If you're in heaven and you tell somebody, hey, I'll do that for you. I mean, you have to like, oh, wait, but, you know, here's my, here's my super promise. Here's my like blood promise. No, you just, if I say I'm going to do that for you, of course I'm going to do it. It's not even a question. You've heard it say, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy. Yeah, of course. I mean, if I run into my enemy in heaven, I mean, first I'm going to be like, dude, how'd you get here? But, but, but after that, I'm going to be like, God, I'm happy you're here. I don't know why, but I'm just happy you're here. You were a jerk, but man. Right? I, I mean, it makes so much sense. Of course you're going to love your enemy. Of course you are. That's how you will be. When you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets like the hypocrites do. Again, just, I'm in heaven. Somebody needs something. I'm one of those people who has five bags of gold. I give them something and then I'm like, look at me. (laughs) No, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. In heaven, you're going to give it and you're going to give it joyfully and you're going to give it willingly and you're going to be excited about it and you're going to be so happy that that other person has what you just had. Listen to this one. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. All right? Have you one time, one time thought that in heaven I might be hungry? No, no. Do not worry what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Because I'm going to provide it for you. That's how it works. So doesn't it just seem incredibly obvious now? And doesn't it just seem pretty exciting and pretty beautiful to think of yourself as living in heaven right now and every interaction you have being a heaven interaction a like total unity total love interaction yes and no this is where we get to this is where we get to the people who are like okay yeah but i can't do that i mean there still is a ruler of the kingdom of the air and there still is people who are mean to me and there still is the fact that i lost my job and there still is disease and i cannot even imagine living that way i i I was talking about this to a person at my office and and she got to that point and she it was so great for me because she said that sounds great and i could never imagine living that way Yes, I'm so excited because that's where we get to the next, the first part of that verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those people who understand exactly what she put her finger on. I could never do that on my own. I'm having troubles becoming my best self, let alone, let alone my heavenly self. There's no chance I could do that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. If I think of trying to live my heavenly self, it's like, I mean, it's like, he would be like a camel trying to clone through the eye of a needle. Oh, he said that. Yeah. Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
when we get, when we get to this place where we're like, yeah, what's inside of me isn't heavenly. What's inside of me isn't gonna interact like that all the time. In fact, a lot, a lot of time it's not. In fact, even if I do on the outside, maybe the inside of me is like, hey, jerk, you know, right? When we get there, when we, when we admit that we're being ruled by the kingdom of the air, when we admit that we're self-centered and that we want power and we want comfort, when we admit that it would be, uh, easier for that camel to climb through the eye of a needle, that's, that's when we have Jesus' attention. Or Jesus has our attention, I guess. So, I think that we need to take Jesus on his face value. And when he said two things, one is he said, the kingdom of heaven is here. I just want you to know, it's around. You can have it. And then he says, but you can't get it on your own. I'm the only one who can bring it to you. I'm the only one who can help you be like that. I'm the only one who can defeat the kingdom of the power of the air. I think we need to take that seriously. I think a lot of us are falling into the camp that Jesus kept saying, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's a sad day. It's a sad day. You are missing out on what you could have. You are missing out on living in the kingdom. And you think it's awesome, you think it's awesome because you're getting to follow what you want to follow and do what you want to do. But you're missing out. I think if we can become poor in spirit, if we can become broken, as the next, the next uh, beatitude, blessed are those who grieve. And blessed are those who are meek. And then blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That, that, that pathway that takes us from poor towards looking for God. Then I think we can live in this whole Sermon on the Mount kind of way. So if the last few weeks have made you think, I want to live in the Sermon on the Mount, I think this is our pathway to it. The power behind it is blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, part of what makes this so hard is it's just so foreign to us to think of your power really actually being available and nearby and at hand. And for us to think that you really did mean that we could live in the kingdom of God right now, that we don't have to wait. And then for us to confront and encounter how we're not ready for it. I just pray, I just pray that we can bring all these like different thoughts, these, these, these things that seem to contradict each other and hold them together for a while and ask you to make them make sense. Ask you to empower them. And as Alice said earlier, get on our knees in front of you in humility and say, I can't do it on my own, but I want it. I want to live in the kingdom of heaven. I pray that, I pray that that's what we move into and that we start 
walking down the streets imagining ourselves like I'm already there I'm already living in heaven what, how would I interact what would I do thanks for this series thanks for this next session where we can bow before you Amen.